it's good to see all of you today. Uh, last week, you all spent some time talking about being renewed. And uh, I, I was out of town, but listened to Pastor Jamel's message on it, and I was encouraged by it, and, and I'm excited to take it from the renewal that he talked about to start to talk specifically about our minds. And not in the abstract, we're talking really about the thoughts that run through your mind, the very practical thoughts. Um, I want you to think about the thoughts that are running through your mind when you're at work or where, when you're in the grocery store or when you're waking up or when you're falling asleep, the, both the, the thoughts that seem to escape and the ones that you just seem to dwell on, that's what we're talking about today. And specifically, we're talking about this idea of um, going from conforming to being transformed. And what does that actually mean in our mind? Okay? So we're going to start with this one verse. If you have a Bible or a device, uh, open it up and and I want to encourage you as I'm speaking, kind of read around this verse. Give yourself some of the context of it. Um, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. The church in Rome is not at one location. It's in multiple different houses. Um, it is mixed of people who are Roman citizens, but also a lot of people who are slaves in Rome and who are outsiders. It's a, it's a very mixed church in small little sections in houses that have to deal with all real life in every single one of these. And it's a letter that's passed from place to place. And in what we call chapter two, 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, we're going to start at the very end for a second with an assumption, okay? This verse assumes that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And at the beginning of this service, Joy kind of talked about our perception of God and how God works, and he, she talked about how God can change that so we can understand God more clearly. And so the assumption that we have to have today, even if, if you're not there, the one I want you to inch towards is that God's will is good. It might not feel like that, but sometimes feelings lie to us. Or sometimes feelings don't know the complete truth. Sometimes feelings are only based backwards or only based forwards, or they just don't get everything. Sometimes even our history or our experience lies to us. And we only have a certain perception and we don't quite see it. So God's will is good. God's will is acceptable, which I think is a really funny word because he doesn't really need me to accept it. He's a little bit bigger than me. But there's something really like pleasant about the idea that he says, no, God's will is acceptable to you. What he wants to do is something that you'll accept. What God's will is in the big picture is something that you'll, you'll receive with gratitude once you see the big picture. And the other thing about this that we need to assume is that God's will is perfect. And that's complex, right? 
Because if it's perfect, then why are bad things happening and why this? And, uh, it, it leads into 70 questions that are valid questions. But we're going we're gonna to let those kind of resonate in your mind and let you bring those to God. But reality is when it says that God's will is perfect, what it means is what God wills to happen in the end happens. With the big picture in mind, God, God has happened what he's willed to happen. That doesn't mean that everything that you've walked through is because God wanted you to be hurt or feel alone. That's not what I'm saying. But in the end, everything is pulling toward the reality that God has for us. We spent last series talking about that, right? We talked about the fact that God never changes. And the verse that we looked at, God is not slow as we understand slow, but he's waiting for all of us to turn to repentance, for all of us to come to him. And so he's pulling us to his end, which is perfect. And so now let's start at the beginning with that assumption. Is that assumption fair? Okay, so if there's spots of your life that don't line up with that, then that's work to do in your small group. That's work to do in your devotional time. If God's will doesn't feel perfect or acceptable or good, then that's the work that we do. That's what discipleship actually is. That's where we roll up our sleeves in the morning and say, God, I feel like you're not good today. Help my feelings start to reveal what's true. And we bring those feelings out. I feel like my past says that you are not perfect in your will. And we bring that out, okay? Okay. So now, at the beginning, it begins with this do not command, which most of us don't like. Anytime that it says do not, we want to do it because we got a bit of rebellion in us, right? That's the teenager we never outgrew or are growing into. And the big word is conformed. Do not be conformed. Now, when I was thinking about conformed this week, I was thinking about this Christmas present that we bought Anna this year. Anna loves pretty much anything that is wrapped. If, if you wrapped your shoe, she would be excited to receive your shoe. And then she would want you to wrap your other shoe separately because she just likes opening things, Right? But sometimes it's fun to give something giant, even if it costs, like, she's not listening, like $8. It's fun. And so we found this Play-Doh set that was, like, bigger than her reach. It was just massive. It was super thin. But they just wasted tons of money on packaging. It was beautiful. And so it was, like, this big. And, and it was under the tree. She picked it up, and it had, like tons of wrapping paper on it, and she just destroyed the wrapping paper and opened it up, and it was this giant Play-Doh set that was supposed to help you make things like you could make a double cheeseburger that looked like a double cheeseburger, and it had the color Play-Doh of, like, cooked beef, and it somehow got textured like that. It had a tomato mold that you could make something that looked like a real tomato. And so you had this layered double cheeseburger you could make. You could make a gluten-free pizza. You could make a club sandwich. This set was incredible. And we were all excited because it was like 70 little things of Play-Doh and colors we'd never seen. All of this. I was really excited about the maraschino cherry red because that was just really, really red. And we played for like seven minutes. <laughs> and I don't know if your family invented Play-Doh. If they did, they're geniuses, but they're evil geniuses. Because everything at my house becomes one thing. 
you get 75 different colors perfectly ordered in their color, and everything gets mushed together. And then everything just becomes a hot dog. That's it. She mushes them all together, and Anna makes a hot dog. See, she agrees. This is how she plays. She puts it in this little syringe and turns all of the colors into one long hot dog. That's it. This giant toy that was beautifully packaged becomes like 75 feet of hot dog. And I ask her, what are you making? And she doesn't say Chick-fil-A. She says hot dog. And so she used to have, here, Anna, you can play. She used to have a double cheeseburger, and now she has a multicolored, disgusting hot dog. And if you think Play-Doh is fun, then you can come to my house and clean my kitchen table after, because it's not. It's not a fun toy. But she conforms absolutely everything, all these beautiful pictures of what you can make. She turns it into a multicolored goop of hot dog. And that's what I think of when I think of conformed. I think of us. And like the personalities and wirings and stories and all of this in the room. And how we are invited to just conform and be squished to just be a part of a hot dog. That you might be like as sweet as that cherry. Or you might be as sour as a lemon. And culture says, okay, be a hot dog. You go through this thing, get squished out, and just become one of the mass and conform. And if it's hard for you to conform because of how you grew up or because of your skin color or because of your education or your background or whatever it is, if it's hard for you to conform, well, then you just have to try harder to conform. And that's the message that's given. And you just fit into the mold, and you squeeze your way through, and it hurts, and it's weird, and it's awkward, because, well, that's what happens to anything that becomes a hot hot dog, is it's just, it's not a natural process. And that's what our culture does. And Paul says, do not conform. Don't let yourself go through the process of becoming a hot dog. Don't get squished through this mold. But as I started thinking about that, like, don't let yourself be put together. I remember the very first time that I got to preach, I preached about feeling like I lived in an assembly line and I was made of spare parts. Like, before I was born, God was like, okay, I got an extra ear and this one moves because my right ear moves when I talk. Now you're going to stare at it. And uh, I'm going to put that moving ear on this kid. And the only set of hands I have shake, but that's what I got today. So I'm going to put those hands on that guy. And that I was just made of spare parts out of this assembly line, this factory. And then I was born to my mom, and I cried, and she cried, and I hope they were happy tears and all that. But it makes me wonder, like, as we go through life, it does kind of feel like we're going through an assembly line and tested at different points to make sure that we're conforming that we're learning, that we're growing, that we're becoming who it is that we're supposed to become. But who is the factory? Who is the assembly line? Well, Paul tells us here 
in the NIV, it says it this way. Do not be conformed to this world, uh, to the patterns of this world. Paul says this world is the assembly line. Now, when I think of this world, I think of like the globe, right? But the, the actual Greek word translates more to this era. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this era. Don't be conformed to the patterns of these times. And that changes it a little bit to me. Last week, we went up north and saw family up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. And as we went, uh, the states greeted us with a snowstorm, which was very not pleasant. And we shoveled our way out of that. And then we went driving and drove the rest of the way to Minneapolis. And as you're going, you see snow hills that people snow tube down. Have you guys ever snow tubed? Okay, up there, you like actually do it. Like, I know we pretend down here, but, but you do it in like 12 feet of snow, it feels like. And if you've never done snow tubing, I know there's, there are hills around here to do it. But if you've never done it, this is the kind where you like have this giant tube and a really heavy rope. And you lay on top of the rope and the rope pulls you up and destroys your coat. And when you get to the top, you have to fall off the rope or else it's scary because you keep going up and your tube doesn't. So you go up laying on this rope, and your feet are tangled around the rope because you're afraid you're going to, like, not go and cause this big log jam. You get to the top, you fall off, and then you're at the top, and you finally do the work of picking your route down. But anybody who is an experienced snow tuber knows you go to the top, and you try to go whatever direction you want, but your tube is going to go in, in what's already been carved out. And, and part of what is fake fun about it, it's fake fun because it's cold. But what the, what's fake fun is that you try to go out of the groove, and you can't go out of It's impossible to not fall in one of the grooves. And so you can start in any direction that you want, but you're going to end up in like one of three places. And you know what those three places are because there's like 75 bodies at each of those three that are like sitting on the bottom, hurt, and all of that. And we pay money to do this kind of stuff. But the whole thing about it is you're trying to, like, get out of the groove, and you just can't. No matter what, if you're up on top of that hill and you want to go down, you head in any direction you want, and that hill is a master at dropping you into one of these grooves. That's what these eras are like. The era of our culture, of our time, of this world, this time and space is a master at producing grooves for us to think within. Just think of this last week and the news that we had. So just in one week, it's wild how much happens in our world in one week. This isn't even everything. But we had where, where we killed an Iranian official. And then Iran shot down a plane misunderstanding what was going on, and there was all the conflict over was this a failure of the plane and all of that whole journey, if you remember, so much happens you might not have. And then there's us threatening to, to break international war laws by attacking cultural sites with cultural and religious sites. And so we're threatening, hey, we're going to come after those, those sites this week. And then, not to be lost, is this earthquake 
in Puerto Rico. And the earthquakes there and, and some people within the United States are really responding because let's not forget Puerto Rico, they're, they're American. This is the United States. This is, this is us. So there's some people who are more aware that, that we are Puerto Rico than, than others of us are. And so they are hurting for Puerto Rico and some are hurting for Iran and some are scared for themselves because maybe they, they look Iranian or maybe they are Iranian and they're living in our country. In all of this, our era... It pushes us down these well-worn paths to conform. One is to feel overwhelmed, to be afraid. I heard so many times that this week was the beginning of World War III. Like, well, we're in the war. I heard from multiple young people, I'm afraid I'm going to be drafted. I'm so afraid, like paralyzing fear. I'm not picking on these people. This is a well-worn groove in our era, right? This deep fear that some of it's real personal, some of it's outside of personal. I had very like logical conversations about which of my children would be most likely to be drafted if there was a draft. And then I was like, why are we doing this? We don't need to do this right now. We don't have to give in to fear. Let's deal with what we're actually facing. But it's, fear is just that well-worn in us. If it's not fear, we caricature enemies, right? We strip humanity from people and make them the enemy. And maybe for some of us, that's what happens with like the Middle East and our ramp. Maybe we see a caricature. We don't recognize the image of God on someone and we say, well, that, that's our enemy. They're coming after us. But at the same time, there's a lot of us who caricature our president and our government and things like that. No, people are people. And we don't have to agree with everything, but we cannot make people our enemy. We're told real clearly that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's powers and principalities, right? And so we can be angry at systems that are unjust. We can be angry at silly, silly decisions, People operating out of fear, but we can't caricature one another. Because what happens if I make you a caricature, you are no longer made with the image of God. We can't do that to one another. And that is such a well-worn groove in our culture. We're so good at making enemies of each other. We're so good at making caricatures of each other. And if it's not fear or caricatures, we can become calloused. We can just act like it doesn't affect us. I don't know what news source to listen to, so I'm just not going to listen. I don't know what's happening. It's all bad, so I'm just going to check out. I'm going to just do my thing. And there are moments to disengage and unplug and get re-energized, but it's very different if we're in the well-worn groove of just being calloused. Because we might not know it, but if, if you're giving into fear, or if you're giving into caricatures, or if you're giving into just being calloused and hardened, what's happening is you are conforming and becoming that hot dog. And Paul says, don't, don't do it. See, our era is so good at fear, so good at scarcity, so good at tribalism and individualism. And it uses those things to make us conform. Let's not give in. You see, Paul in the Roman era lived this thing out before we did. He understood this before we did. 
They were living this out where there were people who were seen as less than and people who were seen as image bearers and, and all of this, though the image was different because it was Rome and all of this. But they were in this era where there was all of this conflict. And he's saying, hey, do not conform to the patterns of this era. Instead, be transformed. Now, transformed is where we get the word metamorphosis. The, the picture, like our image here, is, is like the caterpillar to the butterfly, right? That's what we think of, being transformed. And that's what we're told that we're invited to do. In Christ, we're to be transformed, become something completely other. But here's the thing. As you become that thing that's completely other, it should be more familiar to you. It should feel like a well-worn sweatshirt. Like, oh, this was always mine. I just didn't know it. Being transformed here is like being whole and healed. We're to be whole and healed in our mind, in our thoughts. So we don't have to settle for this assembly line version of who we are in the world or this era is trying to make within you. We're to be transformed into something brand new where our thoughts are different, where our mind is on different things, where we are made as God's image bearer, we are made whole, and we are healed to become who it is that we were to be from the very beginning. That's what, what it is that God is doing. Now, here's the thing. That's the message of Jesus. You don't have to conform. You don't have to be just like everybody else. Be transformed and be who you were meant to be, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, whole and healed. That's the message. But I think we have to pause for a second because that's not always the message of the church, right? That's not always our message. Sadly, that's, that's one of the reasons for the first couple years of this church, Jamal and I would talk to people across the country who are like, how are you doing this? As if this is some like unbelievable thing. But what they're saying is, how are you turning people who don't look the same into one hot dog? How are you conforming people into one place when, how are you making them do that? And we kept saying, we're not. We're not asking everyone to be the same. And the church had no clue what to do with that because the church really sadly knows how to make everyone be the same. Now I'll confess, for my first probably 10 years within a church, my understanding of discipleship was everyone in the church is to be a bit more like the pastor. Because that's the way it was just taught to me. And so if your pastor is, is energetic, then the church becomes a little more energetic as they grow to be more like Christ. And I really like our pastor, Jamel, and I'm learning to like me, but we don't need more Jamels and me's. There was more amens to that than anything that was said today. <laughs> At least we're in agreement. We don't. What we need is for Pastor Jamel and myself to become whole and healed and become transformed by Jesus. And then all of us do that same journey. We all individually become whole and healed by the power of God within us. But here's the thing about this that I think the church gets to wake up to. I think the church gets to be excited about is that this isn't just an individual message. This is a communal story. At large, let's not conform. 
Let's not pick up a groove from this era and say, okay, our church, we live in fear. And we're going to be okay with fear with one another. And we're going to be like bunker Christians and hide in the bunker until Jesus comes back next to one another. No, we don't do that. We're not going to collectively conform to any message. But instead, we're going to be transformed into whatever it is that God is doing here. And when God moves and he makes us more whole, we'll say amen. And when he starts to heal, we'll say amen. And we'll allow him to transform us into something completely other. This is what we're invited into. But how is it that we are transformed? We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. That's what Paul says. Be transformed by the renewal of of your mind. Your mind is made new again. Now this is something that you have an active role in. This is not like you're getting a surgery and you go in for surgery and they, they put the mask on, you fall asleep and you wake up and you've got a new renewed mind. It's not that. This is like physical therapy where it hurts a little bit but you're made better. Where it's work, but you see the results and you feel the results. That's what this is. This is an active process for us. But we need to pay attention that this is the re renewal of our mind. This is again. I think that's really important for us to know and remember. That we're being made whole. We're healed to who we were always to be. And he's really, this is a way of him Stripping out those calluses that we formed, stripping out the caricatures of people that we formed, stripping out the fear, the grooves that are well-worn in us because of this era as we're renewed. This isn't for show. This is so that we can discern the will of God. It's good, acceptable, perfect. We go through all of this so we can become and act in the ways that God has for us to become and act individually and collectively together. Now, if we were conforming like hot dogs, then we would just march forward in a straight line. I, I went and saw 1917 this, this week and, and again, kind of surprised by how wars were fought. Surprised by how we fight them now, too, but surprised by how they were fought and how people, like, lined up. And you just walked towards each other. Like, I don't have that in me. <laughs> like, but conforming to this world, that's how we go, right? Just in a line, in lockstep. But being transformed, there's a different image. Yesterday, I watched football. It was sad because the two teams that I wanted to win came in second. So I'm mourning. But in football, I was thinking, like, if I don't know this game at all, this would look really funny. Because you have 11 guys huddle up, and one of them is holding his head, and then he says things. And then 11 guys go line up. And if it was, like, conforming, they would all just walk forward, right? They would just go forward. But in football, they all go in really different directions, 
especially like, like on a run play, you've got the big guys, like the guards and tackles pulling. They're not even running straight. They're somehow not hitting each other, but they're doing this, and it's on purpose. You've got receivers who are running routes intentionally crazy so that they lose their defensive back. And so you have 11 people come together in a huddle, and then 11 people do completely other things because the goal is to get to the end zone, right? And the way to get there is to do what you're called to do, which is completely different than what everybody else is called to do. That's the image here. We are together to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And so we come together on Sundays and in small groups, other gatherings like that, and we huddle up. And we say, remember, God's good. Remember, God's kingdom is coming. And God's kingdom is here. And the end, like, we can see it. We know that he's faithful. And then we say break, which in church language is amen. And we go through our week. And every one of us has a different thing to do throughout the week. And sometimes it's not our best, right? Sometimes I trip and fall. And, but, but somebody else picks up for me. And, and, and we go. And we get back and huddle. And we go. And we go. And every week, if you do what I do, we fail. And if I do what I want to do, ah, that wasn't a good play. But if I do what I'm called to do, and you do what you're called to do, and we trust one another to be and do what God has invited us to be and do, something beautiful happens. And all of a sudden, we know victory like my team has never known before, because I'm from Minnesota. Does that make some sense? That's what we're invited into. So I've talked to some people who are a part of us, and honest, they're, they're, they're tired, there's some of us who, most of us, who are tired. We are in like the final game of like 25 straight games, it feels like. And we're tired and we're bruised and we're battered and stuff like that. And, and they think like, okay, I got, I got to sit a couple plays out. I'm like, okay, I, I get rest. I preach we need to rest. But sometimes when we sit plays out, we don't pay attention to what's going on at all. No, I'll tell you, the only way that we see the kingdom move here is if we all huddle up. And then we all go do what we're called to do. And sometimes you get to rest during that play. Sometimes. Sometimes it's your turn to rest and not be inactive and not be not a part of it, not be sulking or anything like that. But sometimes you get to rest. But we've got to huddle up to know where we're going. And here's what I want to ask you guys. I don't know that you know how much Pastor Jamel and myself, leadership team, how much we lean on you to be here. There's something that happens when we are together worshiping. We hear God more clearly. We're energized more for this week. There is something that happens when we are together in small groups, in weekend worship. There's something you you may feel like, you know what, I'm good, like with my quiet times and my rhythm, it's good for me. And it probably is. I'm not questioning that. You know you better than I know you. But I know that we are called to something individually, and I know that we're called to something collectively. And we are only we when we are all together. It's the only time we're we. So let's be together in this thing. And if this is our team, if this is the way that we're running, let's run together. And when we see somebody going the way that they're called to go, even if it's different than us, let's cheer them on. We've got to be in each other's corner. 
Like this year, I believe that we have a chance to see the kingdom of God move in profound and powerful ways. Not that we haven't before, but I think we're seeing it again. But what that requires is that we huddle up and we do what we're called to do. And we go. And that requires us to be renewed in our mind. To think differently about that. When we think of us, to not think of fear. To not think of caricatures. We don't just do it with news people, we do it with one another. Let's not caricature each other. Let's not guess each other's story. Let's ask. To not just those two things, but also not get calloused. Where we're like, no, that's just, that's just it. I'm, I'm tough. No. If you're hurting, come into the huddle and say, I'm hurting. Come to your team and say, hey, this is what I need. This is where I'm at. And then let's let God re- change our thoughts, renew our minds. So how is it that we said we are renewed? How by... Uh, we're transformed by renewing our minds, and then how is it that we renew our minds? It's, it's really anchoring our thoughts. Dallas Willard said the single most important thing in our minds is our image of God. The single most important thing that is in your mind is not the education and training you have on your career, but it is what your image of God is. And in the ways that our image of God is off and wrong, we don't beat ourselves up about it. We instead bring that image of God, no matter what it is, we bring it to light. Bring how it is that you see God to God and say, is this you? That's an active exercise we could do multiple times a day. You could set three timers, morning, noon, and night on your phone, and the way that you see God in that moment, bring it to God and allow God to transform the way that you think about God. So here's another way to do it. In the beginning, we know who God is. We know who God who says that you are, right? Very beginning. We know that God and his will are good and acceptable. They're perfect. God said you are made in his image. That's not an exclusive thing for you. That's the people you run into are made in his image. That's the beginning. We know the end. Every knee shall bow. But at the same time, God desires that no one should perish. We know that things are healed and reconciled. We know that nations come together. And that there's a healing that we can't even imagine yet. We know that we are whole and transformed. And so we got the beginning and the end. Here's literally what you do with every thought. If it's not anchored to the beginning, who God is, who he says that you are, who he says others are, or it's not anchored to the end, what God is doing in this world and how his kingdom is coming, then it's not one that you need to hold on to. If it's not one of those two things, it's not worth tying up time in your mind. And most likely, if it is not anchored to one of those two things, it is a way for you to get caught in one of the grooves that become the way that we conform to the patterns of this world. So an example, oh, I, I would love to have more responsibility at work. So a lot of us will say that. I, I, I want to see my, my career go somewhere and this kind of thing. A lot of us say that kind of thing, right? There's nothing inherently bad about that. 
But if you can't tie that to the beginning, I want to do this because I, I, a way to do this is I'm going to be an image bearer. I'm going to recognize the image. If, if you can't actually tie it and you just find yourself stumbling and inventing a way to put it at the beginning or the end, then it's just a way that you're going to conform. Because your next thought's going to be, well, that guy got a promotion. How did he do it? Why is he better than me? I, be, I bet he's making a lot more. I need to make more. I'm afraid I don't make enough. I, I, I don't even think he's that good. He was 20 minutes later than me today. My boss doesn't like me. My boss doesn't like me because, and, and we, I know this isn't just me because I hear y'all. Like, <laughs> but here's the thing. You get in that groove long enough, it gets to much deeper things. And you've made a villain of that other guy, and you've made a villain of your boss, and you've got caricatures everywhere, and a calloused heart, and you're afraid everywhere, and all of a sudden, you're becoming a hot dog. Don't be a hot dog. Don't conform. Instead, when that thought comes in, man, I would really love to be promoted at work and have more responsibility. The thing to do is like what you did when you were a kid, and you would go catch lizards. You ever catch lizards? This is like the only, this is like the only thing like this that I do, so give me my moment. Because you know, I, am, I don't go near any critters in the world, but I'll catch some lizards. And you get good at it. First time you go to catch a little lizard, you got no clue what you're doing. You just look ridiculous. The last time you do it, you look ridiculous too, but you're better at it. But you get those little lizards, and you go to catch them, and they go whatever way they want away from you, right? But these thoughts are like lizards, and you got to learn to catch them. And when you catch a lizard, at least the way I grew up, you just bring it to the nearest adult and be like, look what I caught, because you're super proud. Then your mom hits you, makes you drop the lizard and wash your hands. With those thoughts, catch them. Catch them before they get in that groove. Catch them before they lead you to conforming in one way or another. Catch that thought, and then what do you do with it? You bring it to your father. Hey, what's this one? I, I, want, I want a promotion. I want more responsibility. You bring that thought to God. Hey, God, this is what I keep thinking on. And you know what I've learned about the Holy Spirit is often... The Holy Spirit will anchor a thought and say, no, that's something that I gave you. It's because you have the ability to see the image of God on somebody, and I've called you to do that. So hold on to that one. I've called you to that promotion. I'm going to do, watch, watch me at work. And so that you remember why you have that and you don't fall into the groove as you wait for the added responsibility at work. Or you bring it and say, hey, look at this lizard thought that I caught. And God says, no, you know what, son? You know what, daughter? That's not for you right now. You don't need to be dwelling on that one. Trust me, I'm good, I'm perfect, I'm acceptable, I've got you. But that one, if you sit dwelling on that thought, you're going to fall in a groove. And we got to spend a lot of time chasing lizards. And our feet are going to get dirty, our hands are going to get dirty. There's a lot of lizards in all of our brain that are just scooting around that we've got to catch these thoughts. 
But I'm telling you, this idea that God will make us whole, and that God will heal us, this is real. So real quick, before I close, um, some of you know, and, and I think I've spoke pretty openly about it, that I've dealt with depression, anxiety, those things. I know in this room there's a lot who deal with that. And I know that that feels like an unsurmountable barrier. But there are people who are really good at catching our thoughts, good at helping us do that. And sometimes we need those people. You might need a spiritual director. You might need a counselor, a psychiatrist. You might need some meds for a while. If that's what it takes for you to stay out of these grooves, then that's your act of courage this week, is to reach out to somebody. I've needed to do that at different points in my life. I've also needed to have some friends around me who just help me be like lizard discerners. And they help me decide, like, is this one to let go of? Or is this anchored to something concrete? And sometimes it feels like too much. And sometimes it feels like we can't do it. Let me tell you, you can do it. You're not doing it alone. I'm not asking you to do it alone. But we can do it in a way that we don't have to conform into these grooves that our era gives us where we live in fear or we live calloused. You don't have to live in those ways. You can actually live renewed. Your thoughts can actually be renewed. Paul writes to another church in Philippi. And he says this, finally, beloved. I love that greeting, beloved. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I think in the church in Philippi, there were some people who really knew anxiety and really knew fear and really knew depression because he's so kind in this. He calls them the beloved. And then he says, if there is anything that is of excellence. And that invites some like searching, is there? And some days your first five thoughts might not be of excellence. And so surrender them to God. Let God do. And you might have that same thought over and over, but let God do what God's doing with those thoughts. But maybe that sixth one is that, and if there is anything worthy of praise. And maybe the sixth thought that is worthy of praise is that you didn't quit on the first five. And then the next day, you might recognize more things that are true, or more things that are honorable. And as we do this work, this physical therapy to renew our minds, we will become who we were invited to be individually and collectively, and we will see his kingdom come. I believe this more than, more than anything, that there's healing for our minds in Christ. There's healing for us collectively in Christ, and there's nothing that keeps us from it. Now, all of this has another caveat, that is that we are in Christ. Personally, I'm not trained as a psychologist, psychiatrist, none of those things. I only know Jesus. And so the only wholeness and healing I know comes through Christ. If that's not 
where you're living surrendered, then maybe your step of courage today is to live surrendered in that way. Maybe you've never surrendered your life and said, I put my trust in in Jesus and, and today's your day. Or maybe you've done that 10 times, but you need to do it again. Or maybe you need somebody to just help slow your mind and ask the Father to slow your mind. Maybe you need to talk to somebody that way. So Jamel's going to come up here. Kat's going to come up here. Um, Stephanie's going to, Stephanie, would you go in the back? Joshua's going to be in the back as well. None of them know these things, but they're so kind. They avoid eye contact like crazy. Oh, except Angel made eye contact. Angel's going to be back there. There you go. But please, let's not go at this alone. Let's not fall into these grooves. Let's not just conform. Let's let God renew us. And let's see his kingdom come. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray over us. If you'd like specific individual prayer, then even now, have the courage to go pray with, with one of our friends around the room. We'll pray and we'll close in worship. Jesus, I thank you that you're not done with us yet. And I thank you that you don't leave us to these patterns, to these thoughts, to these grooves, to, to the way that the, this era just tries to conform us with fear and caricatures but that you have something new and different for us. And I know that it requires courage. I know that it requires that we believe again. But I also know that it leads to a renewal of the mind that is transformative for us. And so I pray in this room that you would fill our hearts with courage, that you would give us the energy to grab a hold of our thoughts and start to sort which ones are you and which ones we need to let you let us go, let go of. pray that you would bring clarity of mind, clarity of who you are and who we are. Pray that your kingdom will come in this room and your will will be done right here, just like it is in heaven. In your name, amen. Please come forward or in back if, if you'd like to pray. We'll sing together.